This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the Blood Red podcast. I'm Guy Clark as we bring you an exclusive chat with Liverpool legend Jamie Carragher. In conversation with the Echo's Liverpool correspondent Paul Gorse, there are plenty of topics covered from how Jurgen Klopp delivered Liverpool's first league title in 30 years, the roles played by both Jordan Henderson and Trent Alexander-Arnold, as well as what the Reds need to do to continue their reign at the top. Before all that though, we find out about the impressive work done in the community by the 23 Foundation. 10 years on from its launch from Jamie as well as managing director Les Wright this is Blood Red in conversation with Jamie Carragher the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo Jamie uh, 23 foundation now it's in its 10th year um, just want to take it back to, to 2009 when you, when you first started uh, what, what was the idea behind it and, and how did it all kind of come about well, the, the idea was basically give the testimonial money to charity. I wasn't aware of foundations or anything like that, if I'm being totally honest. My idea was just to give the money away to the, the obvious people in Liverpool, I would imagine. Clear house, hold the hay and, and almost give it away in, in big chunks and then it was gone. Then someone came up with the idea of having a foundation and it, and it continues from there. And it's probably one of the best ideas I can't say I've ever had because it was uh, something that was uh, sort of forwarded to me in some way. And it's just it's just gone from there. It's, it's worked out really well, to be honest. And it feels like we've, we've probably helped a lot more people and maybe smaller businesses and maybe not people with the, maybe the profile of, of Alder Hay or a clear house within the city. So it's worked okay. Yeah, I mean, at the moment, it seems to be more important than ever, doesn't it, with a community in crisis and we see so much work getting done. I mean, um, the, the big one at the moment, it tends to be the, the food banks and we've seen uh, Liverpool FC getting involved with that and, and obviously yourselves. Um, do you just want to... Give us a little bit more detail about what's, what's happened with the food banks at the moment. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think you, I think we all follow them, don't we, on social media, you know, the uh, the food banks who, who do a great job with both clubs as well outside the stadiums, fantastic. And as I said, it's just a, a massive part of everyday life, unfortunately, in, in Liverpool. But now more than ever, obviously the situation that, that we're in, people probably struggling for jobs as well, the situation. And and also with the kids being off school, that was the big thing. So we, we, we've always supported the food banks and, being involved in that with the 23 Foundation, of course, but I think we really focused on that in these probably last three months. And it was mainly to do with the kids not being in school, really, and then families having to provide for them school dinners, really. So we, we you know, we got involved with uh, a lad I've got to know who, who supports uh, Holiday Hunger uh, initiative. He started that up in Netherton. He's collaborated with uh, Joe Anderson so they help a lot of you know kids who are maybe struggling when the school stops in the six week holidays but now we've had this going on for three months so they've been a great help to us fair share as well who've obviously donated a lot of food for us so together along with the, the Brunswick where people come and you know collect the food the times we go out and drop the food off as well so it's been a real team effort really and I think a lot of it just comes from obviously the situation we're in and kids really and, and families struggling and, and normally most families as we know don't have to provide three meals a day for the kids because of obvious reasons being in, being in school so that's been a major problem for people certainly where we're from now around here in Bootle and you know just off Marsh Lane so we tried to help as many kids and families as much as we can Yeah I mean it seems to be a real big one at the moment doesn't the food banks across Merseyside and you see so much work going on. I mean, it must be great to be able to kind of help out where you can and, and you know, help so many vulnerable families at, at, at a time of crisis. Yeah, of course. But listen, that's that's not for, for us. That's, you know, that's anyone, I've always said this, anyone in my position, and there's, and there's so many other people out there doing this type of work, 
who don't maybe get the the publicity I do doing it or the profile right. I do doing it because of the you know position I'm in. There's so many people, as I said, in, in this city, from you know the north end to the south end, on the outskirts, you know Merseyside. They just do so much for people. I think that's that, that's a great trait of Liverpool people when people are finding it tough or struggling. Everyone seems to rally round and and get together. And as I said, there's so many unsung heroes in this city who, who are doing what they can. We also uh, <clears throat> obviously got involved in the, in the in the food bank conference in Liverpool, which Jamie and I attended. And that was kind of a catalyst for this as well. This is a couple of years before, before COVID. So our involvement <clears throat> was long, long before this. And those sort of relationships uh, were developed over uh, over time. So Jamie would support an event or sign a shirt and we would contribute towards that in some sort of uh, payback. And the relationship with, 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 with Fair Share was built on the, on the, on the grounds of, of trust and also the, uh, the fact that we were actually able to, to help them in terms of the distribution of smaller food uh, parcels within the local area. So, you know, all this kind of lends itself towards community involvement. So we got the, the minibus outside and what the guys did was they took the seats out and they drove down to the, the Fair Share depot, then come back here and then distributed it you know, in sm- much smaller, smaller, manageable uh, boxes and sizes. And as Jamie alluded to there, the holiday hunger, we, we managed to help them in, in a number of ways, both in terms of providing food, which we'd ultimately broken down and distributed, but also financially as well. And that sort of that sort of development has, has gone on. So I spoke with the uh, representatives of Fair Share yesterday. They were thanking us for our help. We went down and did a presentation to, because it's, it's very important to build two-way relationships and that's where you get this development and, uh, and cooperation. And so that's kind of, we're very, very much proactive in saying, if you help us, we're more than happy to help back in, in, in ways which don't cost us money, but add value to what they're, what they're donating. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned their COVID there, Les. I mean, you've done quite a little bit of work with, with Merseyside PP at the moment, haven't you? Do you want to kind of uh, tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, go on, Les. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what happened was, um, Jamie was invited to run to support the Merseyside PPE. And they, they phoned me and said, listen, what, what support can you give? So I said, oh, yeah. Was that the, was that the run, the run yeah, down yeah, the roundabout? Yeah, 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 we've done the run down the south end. I mean, the people from the, uh, got in touch with me, was from the Anfield Rap, yeah, yeah. they asked us to go down. I think a lot of a lot of players, I think, from Liverpool, done. I think John Aldridge done it, Neil Meller. I think uh, I think Neil Meller, would you believe, actually won the race or got the most laps in the amount of time. And this is a guy who used to uh, have chippy tea on a Friday well, before I, a game for I Liverpool. I think Neil Mellor thought it was a horse race. He brought yeah. a few extra pounds on him, didn't he? He was, uh, <laughs> yeah, so he did well. So listen, again, that was great. You know, those people who were involved, as, again, uh, really, was, as I said, it was an all-day thing and so many people involved. And that, that has been a great thing of... Uh, you know, up and down, you know, the country in the city, what people have done to try and help. And what else we did there to support that was, um, we, we said, you can put this up for auction, a signed personalised shirt, where they, where they went up for, uh, for raffle, and there was, I don't know, a thousand quid or whatever it was, raised, which went straight to them. And then that was sent up to the, to mm-hmm. the guy, to the guy who won it. So that's why I'm talking about supporting in, in different sorts of ways. Yeah, and a big one that's close to your heart is obviously the grassroots football as well. You're doing plenty of work in that area. Yeah, I mean, it's tough for grassroots at the moment. Uh, obviously, all the football's got to stop. Obviously, the, the top level can come back with lots of protocols in, involved. But obviously, with the kids, it's, it's not easy. Um, I know the situation with my own son as well. Not so much grassroots, but involved in a club. And they've obviously had to completely uh, stop and stop their league last season. And obviously, everything's getting pushed back to this season. So, you know, imagine what it's like for, for the kids now as well. Uh, we want to try and keep them as fit and as active as possible now, but it's it's very difficult the situation that we're all in. We we 
we had to obviously had the big dinner that we had for the uh, the grassroots and a lot of that was providing defibrillators really uh, that wasn't the initial idea if I'm being totally honest we, we were trying to get as many 3G pitches in the city as we could and we were just getting blocked by councils and different things and everything you know red tape in our way if you like but we were there for the kicks the balls you know team start referees courses and I think the big thing everyone seems to take up is you know defibrillator and I think that is vitally important for every sports hub or sports centre whatever it may be and we got involved with the the Oliver King Foundation, who I know quite well anyway from when they installed one in the Rotunda Boxing Club in the, in Kirkdale. I was there for the meetings on that. So it's great that we can help that and hopefully, well, I'll say hopefully, hopefully it doesn't get used, of course, but if it ever needs to be used, hopefully that can, you know, you know, make a real difference uh, and people can almost rest easy, if you like, when they are in, you know, the local youth club or, you know, playing sports. And as I said, the families can rest a little bit easier. That there's, there's something on hand if uh, obviously the worst happens. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned the Oliver King Foundation. It's something that I was going to ask you about. I mean, it's such, such a vital thing, isn't it, to have, you know, this kind of equipment on, on athletic sites and, and so on, just to, you know, God forbid, you know, just mm. so they're there to, to help out if, if it ever needed. It is, and it's such, such a sad story, really. Uh, you know, you speak to uh, Oliver's dad and, you know, chat to him about it. But again, that Liverpool spirit of, you know, not just using that, actually using, you know, a really bad situation for everyone involved and the family especially, to then be proactive and, and do something and try and get, uh, change other people's lives and and hopefully other parents not having to go through, you know, the situation that the Kings did so as I said ma- massive credit to them and what they've done and we're just as I said a pleasure to be you know, involved and if we can help them in any way they're the ones who are out there up and down the country trying to put these in as many places as possible and if we can help them financially to do that certainly around this city I said we're delighted to be involved As uh, you, you just mentioned uh, off camera the, the foundation is sort of venture, venturing out and oil paintings and, and pizzas and well, agenda. These are these are projects which we've been uh, asked to support and one of them is there's a guy whose wife has got a, uh, a very aggressive form of cancer and he paints oil paintings and the originals are then donated to the Walton Centre to support the, the neuro unit there. And he approached us uh, a couple of months ago and listen, is there any chance you can help us with a bit of support in terms of you know sharing and uh, the, the media exposure and stuff like that. And so what we tend to do is when we get like a, a, a proposal of that nature, it's like talk it through and say, yeah, okay, well, you know what? It, they, the, the monies are going there. He's, we've seen presented uh, presented checks to the to the uh, to the hospital there. Uh, at the, the 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 ladies there. I think the, the, the one of the patrons is actually David Fairclough. So when you get and um, ask them sort of questions, we try our best to support, and then they'll need to come back with the details of how how that support is to be uh, is to be uh, shared or, or or gone along with. And the, and the pizzas. The pizza was a fantastic uh, proposal. There's a guy who's got a uh, he's got an idea about creating uh, foodstuffs for families to actually create them to let, to let them make their own pizzas, and within that comes a nutritional uh, guide and also how to make the pizza. And why he, he's he's come on board and said, "Listen, I'm quite prepared to fund this myself. What did you think it's a good idea? Is there anything he can do to to support this or promote it?" So we're kind of in early stages of negotiations to find out exactly what the plan is. And then with a view to support, so people have got good ideas which are community spirited and community based, then we're happy to look at all these sort of projects. 
and I believe you're looking to kind of open up a, a local food bank soon. Is, is that well, we were approached by uh, by St Andrews, um, and they said, "Listen, we know how much food that you've uh, diverted into into the likes of St Andrews and all the other local food banks. Would there be any chance that?" Um, that Jane could actually open one of them, so we're just waiting now for the uh, for, the, mm-hmm. for, for you know dates because obviously we need to be aware and conscious of of uh, restrictions, COVID restrictions. So as and when that time comes, Jamie's just agreed to uh, to open it, and we'll make a little presentation for them. And the foundation also get involved with the. Helping out to kind of distribute kits and, and boots and, and kind of football equipment. Well, well, that's on the that's on the back of the grassroots, basically. Yeah. Uh, but as I said, with, with the football stopping so much now, we're probably a, probably a little bit less demand for that, uh, really. But no, we've helped. Uh, as I said, that, that when we done the uh, the charity dinner, you know, anyone who wants a kit is there. Boots, uh, starting girls football teams, referees. So there was lots of different things, and on the back of that was the, the you know the defib. So that 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 was that, yeah. Um, so you know, as, as you mentioned at the beginning, you know, the foundation in its tenth year now, and you had the, the, the big party to celebrate the Titanic last year. What 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 do you see over the next ten years for this foundation? Another party <laughs> in twenty, uh, hopefully. No, listen, I, I think you know, some of the work. You know, I'm, I'm the figurehead. Obviously, if you like, there's so many people there, Mike Leppard and so many, you know, Keith at the Bruny, so many people involved, really, unsung heroes. And and basically, listen. I'm in a lucky position where we, we could generate a lot of money through, you know, testimonial game dinners, that dinner you mentioned after 10 years. And hopefully we can, we're using it as in the best possible way that we can. That's all we want to do. I don't think we're doing anything different to anyone else in my position up and down the country. There's lots of footballers with foundations. Stevie's got one obviously in this city as well. And I think when anyone who's done okay in this city uh, should always remember that and try and help people because we know it's, it's not easy, uh, the situation that we're in right now. But even forgetting the situation that we're in now, we know it's it's not easy at times living in this city and it's tough for families and we all get together and try and help each other. And if anyone's done okay, I think it, they're almost duty-bound to uh, to help in some sort of way and hopefully we're, you know, we're trying to do that as best we can. We can always do better, I'm sure, or try and provide more and that's what we're trying to do and work as much as as we possibly can to, uh, to help as many people as we can. And we're sitting here in the Brony now opposite the, the Solly and you know, all these you know, iconic names that, that you've kind of made famous on, on a national stage. I mean, you must feel so proud to be able to help out the people of your community. Yeah, I am. Uh, but as I said, I don't think anyone else around here would have done anything different, you know, the, the position that they're in. Uh, if I was in this position, I'm, I'm very lucky to be in this position and where, where I can help people. And, and to be honest, I mean, listen, you can talk about people helping people around the world, helping people in this country, but I've got a massive passion, you know, for the city and especially for Bootle, where I'm from, and I know what it was like growing up here. And, and you just want to you want to help people. You want to see people with a smile on their face. You want to make someone's life a little bit easier if possible. Uh, and that's the name of the game, really, in what we're trying to do. As I said, we can't do everything or whatever we can do, but you try and help as much as you can, and hopefully that, that, that little touch makes a difference. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Jamie Liverpool FC champions of England first time in, in thirty years. Um, you know, how, how would you sum up that achievement? Monumental. Uh, this team and this manager will never be forgotten. Uh, to be the first team to what do you say? First team. I mean, it's Liverpool's nineteenth league title, but people say the first Premier League. It's not so much that it being the first Premier League. It's more <clears throat> because it's been so long. It almost feels like a first. Mm. Really, that's the best way to describe it. And as I said, they'll never be forgotten for the you know the team to you know bring the title back to Liverpool and 
and fingers crossed for them and I, and I do expect so in the next three or four years under Jurgen Klopp there will be more success and, and hopefully more league titles because uh, the job the manager's done is, is, is a special job I mean someone wins the league every year it's been a long time since Liverpool so it is something that is achieved every year but I think the situation Jurgen Klopp found himself in when he came into the club when Liverpool for probably five or six years I mean just struggling around between six and eight position in the league not even qualifying for the Champions League I know they had that one season where they nearly won the league but I don't think it was built on too much even being totally honest this feels different it feels like a, a journey the team have been on just getting closer success in the Champions League so I think it's built on solid foundations and I expect more success in the next uh, three or four years but as I said he's uh, he's done a special job and he's a special manager yeah I mean he said that he doesn't want to want a statue and you know he probably wouldn't give him one while he's there anyway but you know sooner or later you know that question's going to be asked isn't it and how do you kind of sum up the job he's done over, over the last I mean it's not even been six years has it five years no I mean the thing about coming in Liverpool at that time was I mean the people who Jürgen Klopp and the club were competing against were financially stronger and they had some of the top managers in the world you shouldn't forget that uh, you know Pep Guardiola's in here uh, Pochettino Mourinho was at Manchester United as well Wenger was still at Arsenal when Jürgen Klopp come in so I also got to remember all these managers got experience in the Premier League that Jürgen Klopp didn't uh, maybe Guardiola's slightly different but he was in a much better taking over a much better team, had a lot more financial support from the club, if you like. So to do the job he's done, I think it is one of the great jobs in the Premier League. Uh, you know, when you look back at different teams who've won it, you can understand certain teams have won it financially when, when Chelsea come from nowhere to win it, the financial backing of Abramovich, Man City initially under, you know, Mancini and Pellegrini. But I don't really think that was there for Liverpool. It's really been built well. It's been ran well, I think, from the owners. And... Uh, as I said, that's what I think it makes it not just a, a team winning the league. I think there's a lot more to it than that. And I think people appreciate that. I think that's why Jürgen Klopp's getting so much credit, and rightly so. Yeah, I mean, they have spent money, haven't they? You think of Alison Becker and Virgil van Dijk for, for their, their respect. That was with the Coutinho money. Exactly, that was going to be the point. Of the <laughs> that was offset from the Coutinho money. So it's not... They haven't just thrown money at it. It's been pretty much every decision they've made over the last five years has been a spectacular success, hasn't it? It has, and I mean, that's great credit to the people at the club, buying the players, of course, Jürgen Klopp's massively involved in, in buying the players as well, really, and uh, it almost feels like every sign, or basically sort of 90% of the signings have worked, and I, I always remember a manager telling me that if, if you get 50% of your signings right, you've probably done well, so that just shows the success rate, but that's not just through luck, I would imagine, I think the actual work Jürgen Klopp does on the training pitch to make sure those signings work, and the actual signings he buys fit into how he wants to play his football. His football is different to Pep Guardiola's. There's a different profile of player, certainly in midfield. But he knows exactly what he needs to make his teams and the way he wants to be successful. And that's what I think the uh, the instrumental thing in the signings who have come in, really. And a lot of the signings are players who other clubs could have bought and maybe weren't quite sure about them. Really, you look at someone like Salah and Mane, the two superstars who, who get the goals. I mean, Mane was in the Premier League for two or three years at Southampton. People looked at him, maybe weren't sure. Salah came with Chelsea. Again, people thought he failed, he's not good enough. And and now they're the two sort of superstars at that end of the pitch, getting the goals that are you know taking Liverpool to these trophies now. I've seen a couple of the players actually say how important the Champions League win was for, for them to kind of give them the belief that they can actually go and win, win the big trophies after so many near falls and, and near misses. Yeah, you've obviously won it yourself, but when, you know, does that happen? Do you head into pre-season after winning the Champions League thinking we can go and win big trophies now? 
I, th- I think what it does for you as a player, the Champions League, it puts you on a, on a pedestal that you didn't think you were capable of. So when I was playing for Liverpool, I didn't think I was good enough to win a Champions League. I didn't think when I used to watch Champions League finals, I thought I'm, I'm not that level of player. But once you've won it, you, you, you're justified in, in thinking that you, you're sure you're at a certain level. And I think that confidence-wise and belief-wise, now that uh, that would have been a huge fill-up for Liverpool when they came back to pre-season. Obviously, they, they ran Man City really close. They got to the Champions League final and lost the year before. So they knew they were getting there. But once you've just got your hands on that trophy, or whether you win the league first and then you're going for the Champions League, wherever it may be, when you win one of the big two, I think the belief and confidence it gives you as a player and almost a, a bit of arrogance, really, that maybe sometimes you need a bit of a swagger and football arrogance, I should say, in, in that. And uh, I think Liverpool have got that, really, now. And uh, I don't think that'll be that'll be going away anytime soon. Hey, what I wanted to do is ask you about you know, the, the key members of this title win. And then as I'm looking through the squad, I'm thinking, well, I can't, can't ignore him, can't ignore him, can't ignore him. So in the end, I've just had to single it down to two. Um, so I'm going to start with Jordan Henderson, Liverpool's Premier League winning captain. The only Liverpool captains who won the Club World Cup, the Premier League and the Champions League. Um, how, how will his legacy be defined when, when he finally hangs it up at Anfield? Well, one of the top captains for the club or one of the most successful captains for the club. Uh, it's very difficult to create history at Liverpool because there's been so much history in the past and no matter what you achieve or you do, someone's always done it or done it better. That's the nature of the club and that's the, I think that's the, the thing for this team over the next two or three years. Can they go on and do things that maybe haven't been done before? And There's probably very few of those available. But for Jordan, always been a massive fan of Jordan Henderson. Uh, at times, people have been uh, critical of him, which I, I just couldn't get my head around at all. I'm not just trying to be clever after the event. But if you're a manager or you're a, a lad in a dressing room, you want as many Jordan Hendersons in your dressing room as possible. Fantastic professional, great player, trains well every day, sets an example. He's a leader. People look up to him. As I said, him and James Milner. In that dressing room, you know the leadership qualities, you know that they show, uh, and I'm just delighted for Jordan and his and his family, basically for you know what they've been through off the pitch, uh, personal things as well, and and I just think he's an, a massive example to not people in Liverpool. I think young players up and down the country in academies, what perseverance can do for you and where they can get you to, and it's not all about talent. Really, and Jordan's got great talent, but it's not all about that. Uh, and if you have, you know, a mentality like he's got, and this is the perseverance, and you make sure you get everything you possibly can out of your career. Uh, and as I said that's a, he should be like a role model, I think, for you know anyone in academy up and down this country. And, and just someone else I wanted to ask about was Trent Alexander Arnold. Obviously, he's the, the scouting in the team at the moment. Uh, what, what can you say about him? He's a fantastic talent and, and looks a, to be a great lad off the pitch as well. Yeah, he does. He's a, he looks a very level-headed, uh, level-headed lad. He's been brilliant, hasn't he? I mean, to be honest, I think it reminds me a little bit of Stevie Gerrard in some ways. And yes, the good players at the academy, but no one can ever know for certain going into a first team what could happen. Now, Stevie was a great player as a kid, but. No one said he's going to be the best midfielder in the world. You know, and Trent may be on his way or may even be right now one of the best right-backs in the world. No one has said that when he was in the academy 15 or 16. They don't know they've got a special player. But sometimes when you go into the first, people just completely just take off. 
And it's just before, you know, they're one of the top players in the team. And that's what's happened to Trent. I think he mentions a story about when he played right back at 15 or 16 as a winger, I think, for Man United. Give him a really tough time in a youth game. And he'd never played there before. He was getting used to the positions. That shows you sort of the development and improvement, uh, really. But he's just completely taken off where he is the, the most creative player. He's the most creative player in the best team in Europe. And he's a... 20, 21 year old lad from Liverpool playing at right back. You know, and that just shows you what he's actually done to the position. He's made the position sexy again, shall we say, after uh, Gary Neville made it very unsexy. <laughs> and just finally, then, Jamie, um, Liverpool now are obviously Premier League champions, well, and currently still European champions. Uh, what does this team need to do uh, to kind of, you know, solidify that over the next couple of years? I think the obvious thing is to win again, of course. I don't think, you know, when I say one title's not enough, you know, I'm not a big believer in saying you have to win it again or you have to do this. You know, you're isolated season saying you were the best team in the league, end of story. Now, things change next season. New teams come up, players get sold, people get bought to a different league next season, really. It doesn't look like Liverpool are going to go into the transfer market. It's only probably at this time next season we'll... Uh, or next year that we'll be able to say what, whether that was right or that was wrong but we know some of the reasons well probably most of the reasons why the situation that we're in financially the whole world right now so you can't be too critical of the club on that score but uh, but no I, I think what they've got now I think adding to the squad I still believe Liverpool I'd, be, I'd still like them if they possibly could to add an attacking talent to, uh, to cover the front three and maybe some sort of backup for Andy Robertson Really, I think they're the two here. I think midfield were well stocked for midfield. Centre-back, I think Nico Williams now can be great cover for Trent. I just think an extra attacker and uh, and left-back, because you're possibly looking at Lalana moving on and maybe Shaqiri as well. So I think I'd just an extra couple of bodies and uh, I'd be very confident Liverpool and Liverpool could do again what they've done this season. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.